G3 Assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future, helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career, right where you are, right now. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. He's been an absolute beast of a champion. Hits hard, throws harder, and I'm going to beat the brakes off him. You know, I'm 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 going to put all the hands on Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. Joining me this week, as always, the Chewbacca to my Han Solo, the voice of NXT, Vic Joseph. Vic, what's the word, my friend? No, man, we are coming off a huge week. Our guest later on is Samoa Joe. Of course, huge news from NXT. Samoa Joe is back, not just in the brand, but he is coming back in ring, challenging for the NXT title the night after SummerSlam, NXT TakeOver 36. Can't wait to talk to him about that. When I heard that massive announcement, a grin washed over my face, the likes of which people rarely ever see. I'm very excited. Samoa Joe, beyond being a friend of mine for many, many years, genuinely one of my favorite competitors to watch do his thing that I've ever known. I love Samoa Joe doing what he does best. Can't wait to have that chat. And this, it's funny. It's very on brand for me this week, Vic, because, you know, I like to come onto this show and for sometimes I'm not necessarily in the greatest mood or I have things I like to nitpick on or complain about or whine. This week is slightly different. This week, I did something I have not done in way, way too long, nor has anybody in the WWE universe but it sort of reignited my fandom. It reminded me why I love this business, why I do what I do, why I dedicated my life, why you've dedicated yours, why so many of the guys and girls have done just that. I went to a WWE live event. Oh, all right. Yeah, WWE live was here in Pittsburgh. Um, I actually went, full disclosure, so I could spend about four hours with my significant other because she had been traveling all week and was flying out later that night. And I figured I'll kill two birds with one stone. I'll hang out with my girl and I'll watch the show. Man, what a time. The vibe, the atmosphere, the energy. Good crowd. They wanted to play. They were loud. But more so from, from the talent's perspective, just seeing how excited everybody was backstage. The, the environment of, of a Raw or SmackDown or even NXT TV drastically different than the atmosphere backstage during a live event. It's a little more laid back. It's about entertaining the house that night, the people in the arena. It's their night. And it's it's an opportunity for everybody on the roster to show what they can do, to learn, to try new things, to experiment. And the, the vibe backstage, and I, I snuck out into the, the main bowl of the arena a handful of times, and, and it was just a reminder of the electricity. Yes, the amazing crowds at Raw and SmackDown are back. They're live. They're loud. It, it is, it's awesome. The missing piece has come back into the fold. But for me, it's easy, and, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Vic. It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day. It's a job, ultimately. Yes, I think we have one of the coolest jobs on the planet Earth. But like any job, it has its doldrums and its days where you go, oh, man, again, we're doing this again. It feels like Groundhog's Day sometimes. So to be able to break out of that, particularly after this much time without having fans present. And yet Money in the Bank was awesome. And again, Raw, fans in Dallas, Kansas City this past week was on fire. Love that. It's just a different vibe. 
And, and if you are listening to this and somehow have never been to a WWE live event, I encourage you to go. And the sooner, the better. Because I'll tell you, Vic, the number one aspect of the weekend that started at the live event and carried over to Monday Night Raw for me was one man in particular. Well, before we get to that one man in particular, I want to bring up something to you. Did you ever, you did live event loops. I, I wrestled on live event That's loops. That's what I mean. You wrestled <laughs> yeah. on live event loops. I think Byron and I are the only two, I guess you'd say commentators that still or did live events as ring announcers. Right. And for me to agree with you, it did break up the day to day because it was something completely different. It was still the same game, but we were playing a different role. It was like, I went from being the pitcher to now being the left fielder and it was different. It was fun. And man, it is a way different vibe. I haven't done a live event in probably two or three years. Um, Madison square garden was a whole different beast, but yeah, you are a hundred percent right. If you've never been to a live event, it is way different. And there are still some members of the universe that don't understand the difference between a live event and Raw and SmackDown because, wait a minute, the TV? Because it's live. No, 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 it's a live event. It's it's a show. You get to have so much. It's not, it's not, te- it's go out there and just be you. Yes. And I think people forget that. The one man who stood out to me, and this should come as a surprise to absolutely nobody, but time is of the essence, John Cena. Right, this is going to sound, people, I guarantee you, the the listeners collectively all just rolled their eyes. Oh, of course, Corey thinks John Cena is right, because he is. And it was just a reminder that after not having John Cena for over a year, to have Cena back in the fold and in his wheelhouse, in his milieu, John Cena doing what he does best, and I used this phrase earlier describing this, watching John Cena, particularly on a live event, and even in the dark match that, that takes place after Monday Night Raw this past week, it's like watching a maestro conduct an orchestra. And the fans are the orchestra. Yes, we've got a litany of big-time stars in WWE. I'm not diminishing any of them. But John Cena is playing chess while everybody's playing checkers. The amount of thought that John puts into the smallest aspects of every time he steps in front of a crowd. It's, it's just mind blowing. And and to any, I know some of the, some of the guys and girls in the locker room, listen to this podcast, anybody that has the opportunity to pick John's brain for even a, a minute, do it, go out of your way, wait in line, stand outside of his bus and wait for him to step off. That guy has got more knowledge than most of us. He, he, to use the old adage, he's forgotten more about this business than most of us will ever know. You ain't kidding. Yeah. It is absolutely unbelievable just how John reads and he listens. And and I I was lucky enough to sit down with him here on After the Bell. If for some reason you haven't heard that episode, go back in the archives and check it out. Just to to hear John's theory, the way John looks at the business and, and the way he feels about the live audience and playing for them and playing with them and manipulating them and giving them what they want and all the psychology that goes into it. It's a master class. And I was sitting at the monitor backstage next to John, and he was watching every match that went out there. Everybody that competed in front of the live event. John Cena saw your match. And John wasn't just sitting there for, for, for morale. John is watching, and he's picking things apart, and he is looking at things. And, and I understand the business changes, and everybody's got their theories on what they like. And it is. It's ice cream, man. If you're into high-flying moves, that's why you love you know, an athlete like Ricochet or a superstar. That's great. Nobody's wrong. It's all it's all very subjective. It's a blank canvas of art, like we've always, like we've always said. Right, but it, for my money, 
there, there hasn't been much doubt for a long time. And Michael Cole says it anytime Cena appears on screen, he refers to him as the greatest of all time. I can honestly say after this weekend, while Ric Flair may be my favorite of all time, <laughs> objectively, I would say John Cena is the greatest of all time because doing what he did, especially after a year and a half away, it's, it's jaw-dropping. It's awe-inspiring. I, I bring up the ring announcing thing, and it's, it's, it's funny because I've had two instances that I remember with John, and I've sat with him, um, but these are the two things that pop out to me. And as you were talking, I was remembering them. When I was ring announcing, I forget what city it was, he was in the main event. And I can't tell you, man, how nervous I was. First WrestleMania match I ever called, first appearance on WWE TV, working with John Cena. All three are up there because you don't want to screw up. You don't want to slip in front of him. And when he got into the ring, he would say, don't say anything because he was what you were saying, orchestrating the crowd. He wanted every boo and every uh, cheer and every Cena sucks and every let's go Cena and every Cena sucks. Let's go Roman. Let's go Cena. He wanted all of it. I don't even think that's who he was working in that match, but just because of what we're seeing on TV right now. And I remember sitting there going, oh my gosh, I understand what it means to sit here and lay out. That's something we always hear as commentators because we want to hear the fans. They're the most important part of what we do. Right. Again, the message from one man, John Cena. And it's it's amazing as you bring it up and to think back of that little 45 seconds I had in the ring with him and watched him do it, when to talk, when not to talk, because he wanted me to feel what was around me. And John dove way in-depth into that when we had the conversation at this point well over a year ago, we were in Boston for summer. I think it was around SummerSlam time, maybe 2019, I think, or 20. I just want to throw this out there again for whoever's listening. Can we get John Cena back on now that, you know, I want to experience the sit down as well. We put a pin in that. Alex, anybody, can we, can we try to, can we try to work on that one for the next few weeks? I was just correct. It was right before WrestleMania 36, because that was the last time until recently that we had seen John was in the Firefly Funhouse match. Uh, but yeah, and, and it's, I know everyone's listening going, okay, Graves, we get it. You're gushing over John Cena, but this is, this is an appreciation, uh, that I've had for a while. And I think everybody sort of understands, but until you see it and you have to look for it from that perspective, it's, it's just a whole different game and it's understandable why John Cena is the megastar that he is. And it's not because he has a great move set. It's interesting. Oh, I'm going to get to now that you just said move set. I'm going to get to that in a second. It's interesting when John Cena came back on Raw, the WWE Universe didn't hate him. It wasn't that they were appreciating him because we all know time is of the essence here. There's one person who's undefeated. It's Father Time. Right. And we all better enjoy who John Cena is and what he has done for this industry. And this isn't me gushing on it. I never told this story publicly. I don't even think you know it. The first day I did 205 Live with you, when the Cruiserweight show, which was after SmackDown back a couple of years ago, I was told if you see, there's two guys, if you see him, you say hi to him. One, JBL, because he will remember if you walk by him and don't say hi. Two, John Cena. He sees everything. So I happened to see Cena, and I went up and I said, uh, Mr. Cena, my name is Vic Joseph. I'm new, and I'll be doing 205 Live tonight. I just wanted to introduce myself. Something that affected, he goes, are you new? I go, yeah. He goes, oh, I'm going to watch the show. Uh, okay, he's not going to watch the show. No pressure. That's what I'm thinking, <laughs> right? So I walk out, I do the show with you. We're leaving. He is still in, in, in the locker room area, in wherever it was. And I walked by, I said, John, nice to meet you. He said, 
Vic, come here. And he walked me over and he sat with me and he talked to me about what I did for that hour. Know the stories. Know the transitions. You have this here. You could have done this. Don't say this. Lay out here. Let me hear a smack. He ran through it all. A man who is a bona fide movie star. A man who is a multiple-time world champion. You call him the greatest of all time. Easily on the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling. For sure. sure. uh, Mount Rushmore of WWE. Took the time to not leave the arena, to get out, get ready to go on an airplane, to get back on his bus, go to the hotel, whatever it was. He took the time to listen to what I had to say on 205 Live. And I'll never forget that. That's just a little side-by story about who the man is, John Cena, not the person you see on TV. Back to moveset now. Now you put a quarter in the ride, and here we go. Oh, dear. Buckle you hear up. this all the time. <laughs> you hear all this crap from people on social media. Oh, he only does five moves. Only has three moves. Only- how many moves did Hulk Hogan have? Can you name them? A boot, a punch, a slam, a leg drop. And a back rake. And the back rake. That'd be my finisher, by the way. We'll put a pin in that for save it for a week. Stone Cold had how many moves? The Rock had how many moves? I, I don't get it. Everyone that we love and that we admire, that we watched, that we loved this industry for, they didn't go out there and have 76 moves. They didn't do 55 flips. It doesn't matter about the moves. It's the emotion that we can draw from individuals. Love them, hate them. You don't need 55. That's why I, I, I still to this day don't understand that. I don't get graves. How many moves did you have? I, I three. I don't know. But it's like <laughs> it, I, 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 I get baffled. Not enough. Even my friends go, well, he only does the same six things. Shawn Michaels, you said Ric Flair, right? Shawn Michaels is, is my favorite. Uh, atomic Drop. Punch, followed by a, a body slam. Before that was a flying form, an elbow off the top rope, and a super kick. Somebody's tweeting you right now going, nope, you're wrong. You forgot this, idiot. You well, suck. Fine. How do you Let work for WWE? It. But it's like, th- that's what he did. He When he ran when he ran his quote-unquote comeback, flying elbow, nip-up, inverted atomic drop. Like He only had the same few things. The Undertaker only had the same few things. Because sometimes that's all you need. It's all about selling emotion for my money, nobody. God, you put a quarter in the ride. I know, I know. I'm I'm putting the brakes on it right now so that we don't hit the iceberg. Uh, yeah, but for my money, it's about the emotion. It is about engagement with the live crowd, and period. Indisputably, nobody does it like John Cena. How many moves and, did Dusty Rhodes have, Graves? Dusty Rhodes only needed one move. What that, was it? The bionic elbow, That's baby. It. That's only all that needed one. That's it. We're on flip terms here. I'm usually you're usually the one who's fired I up. Know. I'm usually the one who's level headed. You need to go to a live event. It'll make oh, you shit. just it, it'll put you in a much better mood and make you appreciate uh, what we have right now. It's absolutely awesome. We also have Samoa Joe coming up in moments. Lots to talk to about him. But Vic, before we get there, I mentioned how my fandom has been reignited. So this is a little bit of a teaser, if you will. Stick stick with me, kid. I'm going to show you a, a podcasting trick. Next right. week, I have been so I've fallen so deeply back into my fandom. I've actually started digging through the archives. I've actually started digging through the archives. Thank you. Of Peacock and looking for some of my favorite events of the past. It's SummerSlam season. The one that always stands out, arguably the greatest SummerSlam of all time, 1992, Brett, Bulldog, Wembley Stadium, unbelievable event. You remember that, no? I remember Shawn Michaels, Rick Martell, he can't punch him in the face. There you go. So much goodness to get to. What opened that show? I don't know. I have to go back and watch it. I saw it. It came up in the queue and I went, wait a minute. I've got such a brilliant idea. I'm going to share it with the entire ATB 
listenership. And this is it, Vic. You're going to do it. This is homework. You're going to watch SummerSlam. LOD Money, Inc., I think, opened the show. On the motorcycles with Rocco, the puppet. Yeah. The oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. you're absolutely right there. Oh, but man. regardless, go back and watch SummerSlam 1992. It's okay. available on Peacock. Start to finish. You're going to do it. I'm going to do it. Anybody listening to this, carve out a few hours of your week if you can. Watch this event. Relive this event because next week we are going to break the whole thing down. We're not going to rebook it because it happened. We're just going to appreciate. We're going to enjoy. We're going to talk about what we loved, what we hated, what we could have done differently. And, and maybe maybe there's a hidden gem in there that's yet You're to be You're scaring mine. me right now. I know. I'm scaring myself. I, I'm way too optimistic. Uh, I might have to go see a doctor. Talking about appreciation point. and you're, you're, see, people can't realize that we listen, see each other right now. You're glowing right now. Listen, blame John Is Cena, okay? That he's feeling. And I'm feeling. Is this love that I've been searching, searching for? Yeah, it must be that John was Cena. Good. Yeah, yeah. That was nice. Wow, we just harmonized some white yeah, snake, Put that right? into a social clip, social team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vic, enough optimism from me. I am extremely excited about what is coming up in moments. Well, we've been talking about him, Graves. Joining us now, a uh, can call him a superstar again, that really turned everyone's world upside down earlier this week on NXT, Samoa Jojo. Thanks for joining After the Bell. Oh, it's good to be here. How you, how you boys doing? Fantastic. Fantastic. I was worried this would never happen again. I'm so happy that I have Samoa Joe on After the Bell. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a good. Yeah, I'm not the, I mean, the amount of enthusiasm is maybe a little bit different, but I'm getting, there. I'm getting there, Corey. I'm getting there. <laughs> well, you know, earlier this week, you've been the talk of the wrestling world because Samoa Joe is back and not just back on NXT. I mean, back now competing in the ring. You're, you haven't had a match since February 2020. So what does it mean to you to now be stepping back into the ring for the NXT Championship TakeOver 36? I mean, it's, you know, obviously it's good to be back. It's good to be uh, an active competitor again. And, um, you know, I like, uh, I like the circumstances, you know, uh, coming back into NXT and uh, fighting for the championship. I mean, it just kind of feels right. seems right. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to uh, get back in the ring in front of, uh, in front of the WWE universe. It's been a wild journey, Joe. Walk us through it. I mean, February, 2020, Last time you competed in a WWE ring, it's been pretty well publicized. The, the changes throughout the duration of your career, you, you made, a, uh, made your own sort of path at the commentary desk, which is wildly successful in my opinion, and Vicks. Uh, but there, there were a lot of questions. There were questions within the company. I mean, I would see you and everything was, you obviously played all your, your cards very close to the vest. Walk us through this journey. What was going through Samoa Joe's mind over the last year? Because man, I can only imagine. Uh, yeah, I, I kept it simple, man. And it was just getting healthy. I think sometimes uh, a lot of people have a tendency to overcomplicate their problems uh, and make them finite uh, worse, <laughs> you know, just uh, just adding to them by uh, heaping extra pressures and uncertainties and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, really, my focus was simply just to get healthy. Um, no other expectations put on it. No expectations to return to the ring. No expectations to... Um, kind of be anything other than just kind of getting back to where I should be, uh, getting my brain healthy, getting my body healthy. And, and that was my main focus. And then, you know, it, just because of the people that I know around me and that I care about, you know, I told them I would take that approach, you know, kind of see how my health came along, see how I felt, um, be careful with it, take extra time um, and just, you know, really concentrate on just getting better. And I think that was my main focus. And that's kind of what helped me. It was not 
uh, thinking about all the extraneous stuff, not thinking about, man, will I ever be back in there in the ring again? Will I ever do this again? Um, you know, and a lot of it was kind of just having the hindsight of, of seeing other people that I know in this business going through very similar struggles, yourself included, Corey, and, you know, uh, kind of gathering the wealth of knowledge, taking the doctor's advice, taking, uh, you know, asking a lot of questions of other people who have dealt with this uh, in depth and, and throughout their career and, and making the best health decisions for me. And then kind of once we got through that process and I was comfortable with that, then we started, you know, concentrating on getting back to the ring and, uh, you know, kind of finding the best ways to do it and the best opportunity. And during that entire time, like I said, um, you know, uh, I like to keep busy and I'm, I'm never one to shirk away from a little work. So when the opportunity came to do commentary, when the opportunity came to maybe do a panel or do other things within um, WWE, you know, I jumped at the chance because, you know, uh, I don't like sitting idly by for too long. I distinctly recall sending you a text message saying that you have the worst habit of landing on your feet of anybody that I know. So I always knew Samoa Joe was going to be okay. But did you ever have a point during your recovery where where you where the doubt crept in, where you thought, man, this could be the end of of me in the ring, and and it's time to plan differently? It it, it, it was it was a much worse uh, type of injury than I think I had dealt with before it scared me it scared scared a lot of people that care about me too you know and they were very very concerned so i mean it it became very easy to make that the focus as far as what i want to do when i, when I wanted to come back so yeah it just it, it, inevitably it all it all was just kind of hinged on that just making sure i was all right making sure i was feeling good and then you know uh when i came back to the ring i didn't want to come back uh kind of in a 70%, 60% capacity. Right. I wanted to make sure I can come back and I can give the best that I could to the fans. And like you said, I do play my cards close to my chest, but I mean, that's just kind of a belief I have. You know, I think uh, uh, as far as my persona in the public eye, you know, hey, listen, we all go through struggles. People are struggling at home right now. And uh, sometimes it's helpful to see that, you know, other people are going through struggles like you, but I think sometimes people need a little bit of break from struggle. So I'm not trying to add to their day. So, you know, hey, we all go through our stuff. We all got problems. We all deal with our own uh, big things in life. But, uh, you know, I, I tend to keep mine uh, amongst those who uh, are, are very near and dear to me because, hey, it's my house and I got to clean it up. So that's how I keep it. And the last time I saw you in person, Vic, I believe you were in the room, too. It was the TV locker room at WrestleMania, Raymond James Stadium. We were sitting around talking. And, Joe, you told me you gave me some invaluable advice about how you have treated social media recently and how you've, you've, it's something that you have to partake in from time to time, but you, you managed to get out of the void. Like we are all so trapped up in and I've taken your advice and I think I've gotten better. I haven't completely figured it out yet, but I haven't got the internet too riled up at me for any, you know, any stupid reason. I'll give you, I'll give you 10 minutes, dude. Don't worry about that. I mean, <laughs> she is, I mean just, you know. But talk to so, me about that. Some, I think people, so, some people, you know, they have more, they have, yeah, they have a lot of different types of addictions. You know, some people like to get on that Twitter and <laughs> let a little blood off, you know. Right. Like, I get it, you know. <laughs> no, but talk to me about that. I think that's that's useful information for anybody listening just as in life, not just in the, in the wrestling. I, I think people just don't look at social media for what it is. I mean, it's this incredible, um, cultural phenomenon that nobody really understands and everybody kind of participates in. And I, I think the basis of that is this. I mean, like it becomes increasingly easy to want to vilify people, to want to get a hot take, to get reactionary um, messaging out in social media, because it's kind of that quick adrenaline hit. You want to find the people that agree with you. You want to find like-minded folks that kind of prop up how you feel and how you sound. And, you know, it's, 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 
it becomes uh, complicated because I feel that many artists and many, whether it be uh, athletes, artists, pe- people who are just in the public eye, they go to Twitter seeking the truth. And I think that's probably one of the worst things you can possibly do because what you're really going to see is people just trying to clumping together and uh, bringing up their like-minded opinions or just searching for those like-minded opinions. And if your opinion is different, it's not as if I'm going to sit here and consider it. Nobody's ever written a tweet. I think there's a comedy bit. uh, Several comedians do that. You know, nobody's ever written something on Twitter and then somebody else read it and went, you know what? That's completely changed my mind. You know, it's just, (laughs) that's not why you go there. And and that's what it cracks me up. People try to convince other people, uh, uh, you know, within this small character limit of their great grand ideal and, explain all the nuances of their position and, and and they try to do it within this character time frame. It usually comes out as uh, you suck and you're dumb instead of <laughs> something that could right. be so much better. So that's what I say. I said, you know, know what you're going to social media for, and it's not the truth. You're going there to see group opinion, uh, to see collective uh, collectivism, just all these kind of jumbled mass opinions put together and people feeling good or ostracizing other people. I mean, it's not really a place where, you go to seek truth and enlightenment in the world. Well, now I want to be enlightened here because I went on Twitter the other day and Graves ended up commenting back. That's probably the last time he riled me up on social media. I had a payday for the first time in, in quite some time. Very underrated candy bar, in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe the most underrated was a payday to me. Graves thought it was a Heath bar. Then we got a bunch of other th- So I'm asking Samoa Joe. Yeah. What, payday or Heath bar? Oh, or- just in general. What's, uh, what's an underrated candy? It's an underrated. Do payday is up there. Payday Woo. is up there. I, I'm gonna have to agree with him on that. I, I didn't disparage payday. I enjoy a no. good payday. Could have just agreed I, with me. I, I think I, Heath bar doesn't get any love. To me, that's always like an old person candy. Like my grandfather ate Heath bars. So I was like, oh, and then I well, because he one. sold out. I mean, Heath is pretty much just a topping in other things. You know, it's like <laughs> you know, I mean, you know what I mean, like. Heath, Heath disrespected itself. I mean, Heath don't kind of come out like Snickers. You don't see is- Snickers going around talking about the you know, Snickers sprinkles on things. I mean, people put <laughs> Snickers into things, but they got to break up the bar. You know what I mean? Heath, Heath just went and said, oh, ice cream? Yeah, we'll be ice creams. You know. I'd be liking all these tweets that you just sent out. You'd be getting instant gratification. I mean, Heath played itself. I mean, it's not even... <laughs> It couldn't even stand on its own as a candy. It had to go be in other sweet foods as wow. a accoutrement. You know, like it's it's <laughs> I don't even know how we the conversation. This, yeah. It's a topping, oh, bro. Oh, it's a topping. You know? <laughs> I, stand, I stand corrected. <laughs> I mean, Oreo can basically, you know, Oreo don't get any, get any respect around the cookie out because yeah. it's, it's, it's transgressions. I mean, <laughs> how it jumped on the ice cream train sold out, you know? <laughs> uh, so there we go. So there it is. That's that's the gratification of social it's, media. Yeah. It's been settled. <laughs> I want to take it back to uh, something you talked about uh, earlier in terms of commentating. You always wanted to, you know, be busy and be working. What did you really learn from commentating of maybe applying stuff into the ring? Graves, you might be able to speak on this too. I, I can't, but I have learned so much from working with you about, oh, that's a different way of looking at it. Did commentary open up your eyes to anything when you had a, the lowest point of your career was when you were sitting next to me? I can say it. It's well, by far the lowest. Um, <laughs> very, very tragic time. I mean, because the despair as you look up from your monitor and then there's Vic and then you see Vic and then there's downer and then you look over a little bit more and Byron's like just hovering over there kind of just oblivious to the world and then you really understand that this is a bad bad situation so yeah I mean yeah was a little point. you but to your original question <laughs> I, I I think what uh the biggest thing you learn as a performer is just the difference in there's a time warp that happens and the 
the time that is perceived at the commentary desk is very different from the hyperspeed reality time that's being experienced in the ring. It's just two different, because you're running at two different gears. You know, obviously the adrenaline's flowing in the ring, everything's starting to slow down, you're getting into that flow, and it's just like what seems like forever is is, is like a snap. And then when you get on the commentary desk, you know, you kind of realize just how much production goes into uh, getting your mug to look decent on television and getting you to look mean and, and all this stuff. And, you know, how much time you really do need to take just so they can swing to the different shots and all the crazy production stuff. And, and I think the biggest thing I learned, it, that's just not even about being a wrestler, is just how incredibly difficult I think the 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 sitting sitting doing the main commentary job when it comes to Raw and SmackDown and how much you're dealing with when it, when you're dealing with all the stuff going on backstage changes things on the fly i mean you know, i've seen you i've seen tom i've seen michael cole i mean just just during breaks just completely just going through reads doing all this kind of stuff and i mean it, it is one of the most unique positions i think in sports period i think no no other commentary position nfl nba major league baseball i i i, I say it I, they don't deal with a quarter of the insanity that has to be wrangled by, by the guys that are, you know, running the desk for Raw and SmackDown and also, NXT. I'm sure, you know, it's just like, if, if you're, if you're, if you're in that position, it's, it's one of the, I, I can't even begin to describe it to other people. Yeah. I would agree with unique in that particularly versus other sports, other sports are stat driven. Yeah. Vic, you've called baseball. You can yep. read this guy has this average and he's hit this many home runs and he against this pitcher. It's all stat driven. We're storytellers. We're, we're evoking emotion. We're far less about factuality as it is to, this is why you should care about this person or this is why you should detest this other person. It's a whole different dimension that, that no other sport really deals with. It's funny Joe brings up like the sports aspect of it because if you think about, I'll just use the Browns as an example, Odell Beckham goes back and plays the Giants. That's the story. There are stories in sports that even people don't – well, you go, oh, you guys, you never tell me anything. You tell stories. All, well, they, yeah, you hear stories in sports too. But it's so unique because we don't have those stats to rely on. And I give a lot of credit, Joe, when you came in and sat next to me on Raw, you picked it up very easily. I, I loved working with you. I always say nice things about Corey even though he doesn't throw him back. But I learned I wish I knew now what I knew when I sat next to Corey Graves when I started in this company four years ago. Because his back is very sore, very sore from carrying the weight of this 160 pound individual that's six foot four. But man, you sat down and it wasn't, no one had to tell you anything. You just went, Yeah, I'm awesome. I don't know what to tell you guys. <laughs> I, listen, I, it's this thing guy. with me where I just succeed at whatever I do. And it's just, it is annoying to some people, but I, I love it. I mean, it just really works out great. <laughs> All right, move on, Graves. I'm done with this. <laughs> Joe, I, I want to ask you about somebody that you know quite well uh, throughout your career, John Cena. Uh, mm -hmm. We spent the earlier part of the show talking about how I went to the live event and having John Cena back in, in the dark match after Raw and just how John approaches everything. And how, how he's, he's a wizard, man. He, he looks at this business in ways that, that most people don't. And he looks at the minutia and things that, you, as a wrestler, you think, oh, I want to do this cool move or the crowd's going to react to this. And the way John's brain works... Having John back in the fold and knowing him like you do, what value does John Cena provide back to WWE from your perspective? You know, I, it's funny. I, I rarely do I call uh, an athlete in our business like somebody who's 
you know, genuinely inspirational as far as how their work ethic goes and, and, and what they put into what they do. And uh, throughout the time that I've known John, there's one consistent thing uh, that has always stood out, still stands out to this day. I mean, I even talk to guys who work with him on films and they say it's very much the, the, the same case. And it's that John is consistently the hardest worker in the room. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, his attention to detail, um, you know, how uh, absolutely uh, uh, disciplined he is when it comes to just, like you said, the minutiae, the small things and uh, really emphasizing the right things at the right time. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's a cerebral guy, and he's not given enough credit for it because he really does sit down and, and, and really think out, uh, you know, what he's about to, to show the world. And, um, you know, it shows through in his success, you know, and he does, uh, he does a fantastic job whenever, um, you know, kind of a project is put in front of him, and he's allowed to kind of reign over it with, with, with kind of his ideas. I mean, he, he, he does very, very well, and it just... Uh, it, 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 it's inspiring to guys to see a guy who actually puts in the work be as successful as he is because, you know, just kind of reinforces everything that, that you've been doing your entire career. He gets unfairly bashed, that being John Cena, all the time on social media to bring back up social media. Is it intriguing to you that so many people have so many negative things to say about someone who has given back and has, is so smart? No, not at all. Uh, because once again, it's social media. I mean, I, really, I the the amount of serious emotional uh, angst people delve into that um, is, is pretty amazing to me. Because if you really looked at these people case by case, these are not people that know you. Uh, these are not people that know much about you. They they shouldn't be discounted. I mean, I think I think another thing I hate when people go out there. Oh, screw all you people and this and that. And you guys suck and. That's silly too. I mean, it's really you're perpetuating the the ignorance that is going on within the realm of social media. If if anything, there's always going to be guys who are naysayers. There's always going to be people who don't like you. There's nobody who is universally loved in this world, and social media has allowed those dissidents to have a voice. And before, you know, that that just wasn't the case. You know, it was easy. It was easier, I should say, probably to be famous because you didn't have this direct feedback line where you could go out and find the negativity. I mean, really, uh, you could pretty well, you know, surround yourself with this really kind of positive bubble of yes, people who would tell you all the wonderful things. But I mean, that's just not the case anymore. We live in a very different, very connected world. And so um, to, to know that there's naysayers about guys like John Cena does not surprise me at all. To know that there's naysayers about anybody in this world does not surprise me at all because, you know, as you succeed and as you do, there's going to be people who don't like what you do for whatever reason, whether it's justified or not. And I think you really can't get hung up on that. Uh, I think it's a waste of energy to get engaged with that unless they're kind of blocking your path or they're in the way that's a little bit different and they're an obstacle. But if they're not an obstacle, then don't make them into one. You know, I think that's just a real common thing a lot of people do is that, you know, you're, you're living your life obstacle free and then when you choose to engage in all this silliness, well, you're just taking obstacles and sprinkling them in your path just for the sake of saying, oh, I got a obstacle Heath bar. <laughs> yeah, it's obstacle Heath bar. Heath Basically, bar. like social media is like a Heath bar. You crumple <laughs> it all up. You put it in other things. <laughs> uh, Nobody respects well, it. See, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> no one respects the Heath bar. Oh, Joe, Joe talked about us a little bit about being able to return to NXT where your WWE journey began several years back. What does it mean to you to finally be back on the black and gold brand in the role that you, that you came back at? And we'll get to where you're at now. 
I mean, I'm excited about it. And I think the big reason why is there's there's a lot of really fresh matchups there. A lot of things that, you know, kind of hypothetical matchups at one time that, that could go down within the realm of NXT. And uh, I'm also excited just to be working with the NXT product uh, in whole, you know, from from the from the talent side to, uh, you know, kind of going out there in the world and, and, and finding the next superstars for WWE. I mean, um, the entire the entire kind of breadth of what I'm doing in NXT is is extremely exciting to me. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of looking forward to being back in the ring and, and kind of testing out uh, all this new talent. I've been hearing all this all this guff about. See if see if the hype's for real. Well, you mentioned scouting future superstars. So you truly are taking on a bit of a William Regal role? Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, there's only one William Regal. I think we can all agree sure. on that. He's a very, <laughs> he's a one-of-a-kind individual. Uh, but, you know, yeah, just kind of in the future development of WWE and where it goes uh, from superstars to uh, international expansion. Um, there are a lot of really, really exciting opportunities uh, that hopefully uh, – We'll come to fruition soon, and uh, I'm very, very happy to be a part of it. How much has uh, NXT changed, actually, Joe? That's something I'm interested in hearing from you. Where it is now to where it was when when you walked in the door, how has it changed now that you're back? I think a lot of that change started when I did walk through the door. Okay. And that was kind of the impetus of where it graduated to where it is today. You know, obviously, NXT, uh, for most of its life was the was the developmental feeder system for WWE for Raw and SmackDown. And, you know, as I got there, myself and Balor, um, you know, Shinsuke. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Shinsuke, um, Asuka, I mean, I mean, Sasha, Bailey, I mean, they, the, Charlotte, the list goes on and on. You know, as these superstars came through NXT, the, the, the brand began to build, you know, bigger and bigger and began to take on you know, a, a fan base of its own and to see it kind of transformed into a third brand for WWE now. I mean, that's just the major difference. I mean, it's, it's been legitimized. It is what it is. And, you know, now it's on, it's on television, which was, you know, kind of a unheard of possibility, uh, especially when you talk about original NXT guys like Corey, you know, like that was not in the books. That was it. This, this, this is not what we, this was supposed we to were, be. We were the redheaded stepchildren yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, of the world. It to, was the to, Heath bar of NXT. Yeah, it was the Heath <laughs> bar of the WWE. Yeah. You know, really sweet, pretty nice. No respect. You know? <laughs> <laughs> totally. No self-respect. Uh, but yeah, man, it just did. Uh, I think, I think it's just, it's different in the fact that, you know, NXT is a brand within the universe of WWE. And, um, you know, it puts on, it puts on these amazing shows every month, you know, in, in parallel with, with, with Raw and SmackDown's pay-per-views. And, um, it's just, it's become this whole different other phenomenon and, uh, it's really cool to see. Phenomenon is an accurate word, seeing as how the day after SummerSlam, the biggest party of the summer, there will be an NXT takeover, which will see the in-ring return of Samoa Joe. I just got goosebumps saying that because I was staring at you. The in-ring return of Samoa Joe challenging NXT champion Karrion Cross. What can the world expect from this one? Cross is a dude who's made a lot of noise over the past, you know, several years in NXT. Big, badass dude. Seems like on paper, a very interesting matchup for Samoa Joe. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, Karrion Cross. I mean, without a doubt, extremely domineering force. I mean, he's he's run through everybody they put in front of him. Um, he's been an absolute uh, beast of a champion. I mean, just hits hard, throws harder. 
uh, and I'm gonna beat the brakes off him. You know, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm gonna put all the hands on him. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know when I'm gonna do it, but I mean, I just know this. Um, I mean, it's just it's gonna be a lot of a, a lot of a lot of pummeling and strikes around to the head and face area. Uh, I'm gonna probably do my best not to wear out my right foot when I'm whipping his ass with it all over the ring, but um, I'll see how it holds out. You know, there's been some, there's been some trauma, you know, I'm kind of dealing with the Connor situation. Hopefully it won't be too big of a deal, <laughs> but uh, we have some fun and uh, we're going to set some things right because, you know, you know, you're big, you're bad. Uh, obviously uh, you got a lot of eye candy there at ringside with you. But, yeah, you know, that'd be me. Been right there, I appreciate you know, it. Good old Vic gets over there, you know, you get, get those eyes gleaming at you. I don't know they get you all fired up, carrying, but uh, yeah. ten layers of makeup on my face. Oh, it's your ass. Oh boy, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> Joe one time came on me, goes, "Man, I can take my finger and wipe your face like a cake." That's how much stuff you got on you right now. I was like, what are you talking about? And then I got a text from my mom. Wow, you're awfully orange tonight, honey. I go, oh, my gosh. You know, Joe, you win the night after uh, SummerSlam TakeOver 36. You will become the first ever three-time NXT champion. Um, Alex just hit us up with that little nugget. Do you feel that this is a um, a new lease on life for you. We've talked about the history to get back, haven't had a match since 2020. Do you have any of that going through your mind that this is the next chapter for Samoa Joe? No, nah, it's it's not a new lease. Listen, it, it, to say it was a new lease would mean at some point I thought it was over. And to be honest, I never did. So if, if it's anything, it's, it's just going to be a reminder. A reminder for the world that there's still terrible, horrible things out there. They're still looking for you and they want to take everything that you have. That. I'm gonna love that, that one. I'll be brought forward on NXT Takeover 36. Before we before we let you go, Joe, you alluded to it earlier. How you're a busy, busy man. You've always got your hands in any number of things. Nine times out of ten, they're secret squirrel, and uh, you, you don't like to divulge <laughs> those. <laughs> Nine times they have their legit secret squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything anything you got your uh, your hands in these days that uh, that we can look forward to outside of the ring? That that which isn't secret squirrel. I mean, outside of the ring, uh, obviously, uh, super Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. Your man's King Shark, and uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, I've seen the game. I've, I've seen what they're putting together. Rocksteady Studios. It's going to be amazing. So uh, definitely check that out. Twenty twenty two, and uh, some other projects to be announced shortly. What about that Stay Down project you got on your? Oh, right the, I'm not going to let so this, this interview guy get gave done. Me this shirt. Hey, let me. This is way. I was at a show. <laughs> You know, he was kind of like, you know, uh, sketchy. Yeah, little little <laughs> sleaze bag, little sleaze bag. You he just wanted I mean? to be in the opening match, so he's like, "Hey, man, can you th- I'll throw you a shirt." Yeah, like, like let me put it this minutes. way: he had really nice clothes on, really dirty sneakers. It was kind of oh. weird. So uh, it was like, I was like, uh, I don't know. And he gave me the shirt. He's like, "I'm starting this clothing company. It's going to be super awesome." And so I, you know, I try to wear it and support the guy. I don't know how it's going. I mean, I'm looking for an update on the company and see how things are, but I'm going to place a few calls and try to find an update. Yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, Joe, before we let you go, any, any parting words for the ATB faithful? Hey, tune in to NXT. It's going to be a great show. <laughs> and just a reminder, this Tuesday you is to get on sci-fi. Just put it in out there. <laughs> yeah. Tuesday on sci-fi. Tuesday don't on miss sci-fi. The- the approach to NXT TakeOver, Samoa Joe, Karrion Cross, NXT Championship. Joe, I could not be any happier to have you back in the fold doing what you do best. I'm looking forward to TakeOver, and uh, hopefully one of these days I actually get to see you in person again. Oh, yeah, hopefully. One of these days. One of these days. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll happen. Right on. Dick, anything? See you Tuesday, Joe. See you Tuesday.
That's why I'm constantly trying to fire him. Yeah. <laughs> Be a group effort soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was fun, Vic. I could listen Ooh. to Samoa Joe pontificate for, for hours, but uh, I think I'm even more excited to watch him throw hands with Kerry and Cross and take over. I was waiting for you to say something about, well, maybe I'll make it, uh, maybe I'll text somebody and see if I can't be at NXT TakeOver 36 Ooh, on the desk. That's a great idea. But then, no, uh, no, 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 no. You, you look, stay. I, I, think no. about it. What you, Me and, and Beth and Wade calling and Samoa Joe. I'm sending a text right now. Ah, crash screwed myself on this one. Anyways, I got to get us refocused here. You talked about earlier with don't send a text message. You talked about it earlier, SummerSlam 92 next week. So we're going to watch that this week. I want to settle a debate with you that we just talked to Samoa Joe about payday Heath. You and I, those watching, eat the candies that you love, the underappreciated candies, not a Starburst, not a Snickers, not a, what, what's another one? Reese's Sour Patch Cup. Kids, not a Reese's Cup, an underrated one like Cowtails. Ooh, those are nice. Uh, but like a take five, which is nice. What would you, you mentioned Heath bar. I mentioned Heath, but you guys just poked holes in my theory. So yeah, your theory sucked to be fair. Heath bar is is definitely a topic. Go get your favorite unrated candy. Watch SummerSlam 92. Not only tweet us about SummerSlam 92, also mention your candy. And then next week, Graves, I think what we do is while we go over it, we sit here and snack on our favorite candies. Underrated candies. Well, I listen, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna eat my candy while I watch SummerSlam '92 so that I'm, I'm not trying do to do a podcast well. with a mouthful of sugar. And then I'm gonna come back and try to do that too. All right. Well, I anxiously await proving you dead wrong once again next week. You can join the conversation. Use the hashtag after the bell. Follow at after the bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find him at Vic Joseph WWE. Listen for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're getting your podcast. If it is Spotify, search After the Bell. Hit that follow button if you're using Apple. Hit the plus sign on the After the Bell page so you never miss an episode of the greatest sports entertainment podcast on the planet Earth. While you're there, throw us that ever-important five-star review. Mm -hmm. And uh, say some nice words about us so we can keep doing what we do and keep up with all your favorite shows in the WWE Podcast Network at WWE Podcasts on all social media platforms. Fire up, Peacock. Get yourself to SummerSlam 1992 Wembley Stadium. We're going to relive that right here next week. Get your favorite snacks, your favorite candy bars, and... uh, If we're coming your way, make sure you take your punk ass to a WWE live event because you don't want to miss it, especially if the goat's in the house. We'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, more WWE WWE after the bell. After the bell. I do it better. Stop it.